0: 87, Lafayette. It's CoronaPod. I'm Matt. Oh, I'm Adam. <laughs> Adam, it's it's been a full week since we departed. I it, it's it's very weird. I'm I'm kind of getting used to this distance, but uh, it still feels bizarre. I'm just lonely all
1: the time. Catherine, I think, is getting fed up with me constantly begging for attention.
0: You know, I expected this would happen. I expected that it would only be a matter of time before uh, you started to get on Catherine's nerves, no offense, uh, because you, you need a lot of human interaction. You know, you are not, uh, you're not like Momo. You're not, you know, a, a house cat sort of willing to just do your own thing. You, uh, you need to interact with people.
1: Yeah, so one more week. And then I'll have my sister and my sister's boyfriend to drive up the wall, in addition to Catherine, but ideally
0: in substitution. Uh, so is is that official? All of your work streams have now converged, and you're going to depart New York in uh, in a week.
1: I I believe so.
0: We haven't booked the ferry
1: yet, but that's on the to do list for this weekend.
0: Hmm. And and what's going on in New York? How are things there. Deaths are below 100 per day. That's something.
1: Now we're just in the weird... Nothing... The situation is better, but we're not ready to unlock. But everyone is acting as though the lockdown is ending. But we haven't done anything systematic to prepare for that eventuality. So we're in this weird situation where, like, everything just doesn't, like snap, and go back to normal, right? Like, no one's going to start riding the train, even though it sounds like the train is not that dangerous, right? There's been no, I mean, we have terrible contact racing, but in other countries, there's been no super spreader events linked to the transit system, but we've all been scared off the transit system and told not to take it. Mm-hmm. There's, there was a gridlock in New York City last week in the afternoon in parts of Manhattan and Brooklyn. So, more people are driving than ever before, and it's going to be a complete nightmare on the city of Rio. I mean, a lot more people are biking. That's great, but, I mean, the number of people who ride the train versus the number of people who drive every day is an insane ratio. Right. And if you even move a small percentage of the drive train people to driving, you very quickly double the number of cars, and, and that's just impossible, right? Like Uber and Lyft caused New York City to completely come to a standstill so any personal vehicles will do the same thing and i mean like de blasio is getting into arguments about whether or not the beach should be open like we're pretty sure that no one's getting coronavirus from going swimming in the atlantic so
0: he just focuses on the wrong thing and has no vision yeah i was going to say car apocalypse uh a product of our brilliant mayor bill de blasio um Yeah, you know, I saw this week that he has gotten into Twitter feuds with a number of county executives on Long Island about this beach issue, and it's really disheartening to see uh, this is someone who should be spending his time figuring out how to reopen New York safely and is instead just getting into arguments about whether or not New Yorkers are going to, you know, head from New York up to Long Island to go to the beach. It seems... Really pointless, and a terrible use of energy.
2: Well,
1: and also, like, the ones who can will, because you've said that they can't get to New York City beaches. So what do you want them to do? Like, it's going to be hot. There's literally nothing else to do, right? It's not like I can go see a movie. I can't go to a museum. And if I want to get out of the house, the only place that's cold is going to be the beach. Otherwise, people are going to melt all summer. He just... He focused on things that are top of mind and he thinks that it like gets some good press. Right. And he completely misses all the things that he actually needs to do to fundamentally make this city better. Um, and that's just really, really, really frustrating. And I like, I gripe about him and Cuomo all the time, but I mean, both of them are going to look at traffic in New York city and be like, we did it. New York city's back to normal. And you're like, You haven't changed any rules since March, and now there's traffic in New York City. So, one, that means people are not listening to you about the lockdown, and two, that means you've done nothing in two months when you could have completely restructured New York City for a post-pandemic world that you've done anything. So, you've failed on literally every account, and then, like, his feud about contact tracing and changing that whole program is, like, another idiotic de Blasio move where he just needs to shut up and let the people below them below him do their job.
0: The saga the saga continues, the saga of Bill De Blasio uh, and maybe one day uh, a brilliant dramatist will turn it into a tragedy that will be very successful on Broadway.
1: Or the New York Post should do what the New York Times did and run 20,000 2000 names one for every, you know, 10 people for the 20,000 New Yorkers who have died because of, like, gross incompetence, right? Like, if you're going to blast Trump and try to remember these 100,000 people who have died, like, de Blasio is also responsible for being a complete nincompoop.
0: So, anyway. so speaking for a, for a terrible transition to our guest, speaking of very warm places like New York will be this summer, let's go to our guest, Yuval Ben-David, who's coming to us from the... Uh, sunny, sweltering locale of Tel Aviv. Yuvi, welcome to Coronapod.
2: Shalom, shalom.
0: So thanks for coming on the show, UV. So uh, there's a lot going on in Israel, but there are really two things we should talk about. Uh, quarantine being one of them, but I want to actually start with the news of the day. In the midst of all the coronavirus stuff happening, our listeners... Could be understood for missing the big news in Israel today, which is what exactly?
2: Which is that after after four years uh, of of investigations, Bibi Netanyahu finally came to court uh, for the opening of uh, of his long awaited uh, trial and corruption trial. It's actually a few separate cases, so, uh, so they're all rolled into one. He's, he's not the only one on the stand, uh, or. Uh, or, or what's the what's the expression only one in the docket um, but uh, but it's uh, it's a few sort of entangled uh, very big and, and very sort of uh, uh, I think uh, legally pioneering uh, corruption cases
0: that have now finally come to to uh, the courtroom and so what is he being tried for exactly?
2: Uh, so so Alan Dershowitz came out today and said that that it's a uh, it's a great uh, it's a great sort of injustice to democracy or something like that the the being tried uh he's he's being tried for uh, a few different corruption counts the, the first is sort of the most material and most easy to understand uh, basically uh, his uh, his uh, wife uh, mostly and also him pressuring various tycoons into uh, into giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars' worth of of gifts, mostly cigars uh, and champagne. Uh, So that's the the first case. Uh, In return for that, it's alleged that he, for example, helped uh, one of these tycoons, a Hollywood producer named uh, Milchung, uh, who's sort of his own, who's worthy of his own Hollywood movie, uh, that he uh, he helped him get an extension on his U.S. visa and so on. The other cases are more—they're more, more interesting—and um, they're the ones that I think are uh, are more polarizing. Uh, and that's basically uh, that he uh, that he exchanged sort of regulatory favors with various media media take groups in exchange for positive coverage. Uh, he's uh, he's sort of um, I think when Bibi came onto the political scene really in, in the 90s in Israel, uh, he was known as the American. You know, he sort of brought the uh, the American way of politics to Israel, and a lot of that is a fixation on image and television and the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, and I think that obsession, uh, that, that sort of clinical uh, narcissism that it's become has, has driven him to uh, really uh, crazy corruption. I mean, it, it seems sort of abstract because we're talking about positive coverage, but uh, billions, billions at stake.
0: And, you know, it, it's interesting to me, Bibi seems like kind of a cat. You know, it seems like he has nine lives. He's survived for, I guess, the well over two decades now in Israeli politics. He's been in, he's been out, he's been in again. He, you know, has narrowly won re-election a bunch of times with questionable tactics. Do you think this is finally the thing that ends... Um, his hold over Israeli politics, or uh, you know, sort of like Trump here, he's almost untouchable no matter what happens.
2: Well, I mean, he's actually—I mean, he's he's entered this actually in a in a pretty good place because he was able to form a coalition just last week, uh, and and basically co-opt uh, what's been the strongest opposition to him in all his years in politics, uh, which is this party called Blue and White, that was basically formed of. Uh, these four generals who came together and, and formed a, a cockpit uh, whose basically entire sort of political mission was to topple Bibi. Uh, and at the end of, of three uh, elections uh, and, and uh, the sort of protracted coalition negotiations at each of those, uh, he was able to, uh, to pull away uh, two of, of the leading figureheads in, in that party. Uh, to join a coalition that he formed under cover of, uh, of the Corona emergency. Uh, of course, when when you actually look at how the coalition shaped up, it has nothing to do with you know, special powers or or policy dealing with with Corona. Uh, basically, all the negotiations centered on and uh, uh, on sort of the the various legal mechanisms to to ensure that everyone follows through because no one trusts anyone, uh, and also sort of. Uh, what was really important to him and and his party, it emerged, was uh, control over the levers of of the judicial system. Uh, So, I mean, that's, you know, we're basically living through a whole new uh, unfolding corruption case that that sort of the the medic corruption around this, or medic corruption and sort of medic craziness around this whole trial. And I think at at this point, uh, you know, first of all, this... um, this is about much more than you know than a corruption trial. At this point, it's really about the fact that he's uh, that he spared uh, really uh, he spared no one and and and, and nothing and, and uh, sort of set no personal red lines for himself in his mission to extricate himself from uh, from the trial and and. Um, and really, I think you know when when you saw what happened today, you saw the um, the new chairman of the Knesset of our parliament basically came out uh, and said this is a sad day for uh, for Israeli democracy. And Bibi just minutes before he entered the courtroom, he said uh, he he talked about the left wing conspiracy and the, the deep state conspiracy to topple him, and, and that this is sort of a um, you know, he, the the talking point today was, you know, this isn't Bibi on trial. This is the entire right wing on trial. Um, and and to me, and I, and I think to, to sort of my camp, uh, to the the people who've been saying, you know, no Bibi, uh, it's it's because of uh, it's because of that that fecklessness, that uh, that sort of cavalier attitude towards our institutions, and and the sense that. Uh, in his he's willing to to really uh tear apart the society and undo the institutions of the the state uh, in 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 an effort to to stay in power um, do you
1: do do people see this as temporary i guess is the word i mean I think in the United States there's a big debate right now we have kind of a similar issue with some things that people thought were sacred, some institutions, some ways of doing things that have come under a lot of pressure. And there's a big question of, well, is this the way that it's always going to be go forward, or is this kind of a temporary blip due to specific circumstances? What's the thought here with BB? Is it, you know, once BB eventually loses power, whoever takes over next will, the world will go back to the way it was? Or like, kind of, is the operation of the Knesset, of the entire kind of Israeli government, forever tainted by this, and you'll never get back to "quote unquote"
2: normal if there ever was a normal. Well, I think I think some of the damage is—I um, don't know if it's irreparable, but it's certainly going to uh, to last. maybe I mean, the sort of the um, the erosion. Of of sort of his camp's trust in uh, in the judicial system, uh, in in, uh, in you know the, the prosecution, the rule of law, um, this this idea that the uh, that the attorney general that he that Bibi appointed uh, uh, you know, knitted him or, or, or sort of invented. Um, I think that the new sort of line is is that he was blackmailed into uh, into uh, sort of. Um, uh creating this this fictitious uh a case uh to trap Bibi. um the the erosion of of trust is is gonna outlast him uh and i think you know there's there is a sort of um Bibi, Bibi comes from a, a very um you know, a very legitimate and a very storied israeli political movement and there's nothing there's nothing wrong um with with his movement, but, you know, and, and I think the sort of, uh, for, you know, for, for the anti-PP camp, right. Don't confuse the two in the one sense. On the other hand, I think at this point, he's sort of, um, he's been, um, sort of in the, in the way, I think that to a lesser degree in the States, but in, um, that Trump was able to, uh, to really evacuate the Republican party of, of its sort of, uh, uh, story, you know, historical grandeur, and and sort of turned the the party of Lincoln into uh, into what it is today, I mean preceded Trump, you know, the 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 Tea Partiers and, and so on. I think um, that uh, that what Bibi has done maybe to the Likud and to the the right wing in Israel of of sort of really uh, uh, sending its its more more let's say. Um, Intellectual, sort of um, what we used to call the princes, um, sort of less populist, more sort of uh, moderate uh, ideological figures, to sort of to political exile, uh, and really bringing up uh, the most sort of kowtowing, uh, boorish populists, you know, and and promoting those people at the expense of of real, um, you know, real. Uh,
0: meters yeah it's it's sort of like what's happened here with country club republicans greenwich republicans whatever you want to call them with the arrival of trump there there really ceased to be a place for them in the republican party and and as a result now there's there's really no place for them in the broader political discourse is that sort of similar to what you're saying Have, have all those folks the the princes that you're talking about, where, where have they gone, or have they basically become silent in Israeli politics?
2: Well, so, I mean, and there's the, the one advantage that Israel has, in, in a sense, is that uh, right, we're not a, a two-party system, right? So, so you know, there is, I think, historically, the sort of the big parties were, or you know, there was a big party on the right, a big party on the left, but you also have the, the sort of perennial... Uh, Haredi blocks, the Arab blocks, uh, and, and so on. So you do still have uh, a settler movement, or we call it the national religious movement. Uh, and there, I think you know now they're sort of waking up uh, in a sense um, because this, it's actually interesting. Bennett, you know the the sort of the Jewish Home Party, if you've heard of them, the traditional sort of, uh, they've been billed as like the, the settler party. Even though there's a big sort of settler movement within the Likud and and in other parties, uh, but this sort of settler party is actually outside the coalition. Interesting. So, so Bibi carried who brought in uh, the religious um, and into uh, into the coalition, um, but the, the national religious or the settler movement it decided to sit out. Um, I think you know there you, you really have a few um, a sort of disproportionate. Um, national leaders within a very small party, um, you know, five or six out of 120 seats in the Knesset, but, um, but sort of some very important ministers from that party and, um, and, uh, and, and people who've, um, uh, who've tried, you know, to, to, uh, to wage their own revolutions and and counter revolutions, uh, very effectively, uh, with, with that sort of small mandate. Um. And now they're sitting out, and I think they're trying to, uh, to, to buy their time until the, the end of VVMD and, and establish themselves as a sort of clean uh, a right with, with uh, really ideological motives and, and clean hands. Um, in that sense, you know, so may, maybe there's going to be something positive out of this. I mean, it's crazy. If you think about the, the crazy, crazy thing is that until uh, or by July, this new coalition intends to annex uh, what might be, you know, amount up to a third of, of the West Bank. They're basically doing this uh, with uh, with the backing of the Trump administration. Um, and this is, I mean, this is wild. Like, this could, you know, this could upset, uh, if not reverse the, you know, the, the peace treaty with uh, with Jordan, I uh, mean, destabilize the whole region Um and it's sort of like I mean, it's you know just kind of a given uh, that this is what's going to happen We're all sleepwalking towards it. But there's no real um, ideological debate about it, uh, really, either from from right or left. You know, in the in the center frame of, of politics right now, um, and uh, and you know maybe that says one thing about uh, about the politics of of the conflict and the, the role the conflict occupies in our politics. Um, but, uh, but it also, I think says something about, um, the damage baby has done to the right wing, because if he doesn't follow through on this promise to annex, um, I'm not sure how much, you know, I, I'm not sure how much his base is going to care because he's made the issue him so much or the issues him so much that the things he's supposed to stand for, he can... You
0: know he can lie in the scene about um, all he wants he's um it, it's very trumpian in that way I'm curious how people are talking about all of this in Israel right now every time I've been to israel I'm struck by how much the discourse plays out in public in public spaces in every restaurant you go into and in every cafe you go into Israelis are always arguing with one with one another and really discussing everything that's happening and now that people are stuck in their apartments at what feels like maybe one of the most if not the most important political moment in recent history um, wh- what is it like to try to have a national discourse around this while coronavirus is happening yeah I mean I, I think there's
2: right there's two parts that there was sort of, um, um, you know, the really crazy thing that happened here. Uh, and I'm glad that we didn't dwell too much, uh, on, on this sort of coincidence was that the moment there was a coalition, the moment the coalition agreement was signed by both parties, uh, basically the Corona emergency just disappeared. Um, you know, I've, I've already mentioned how, uh, this, this, coalition by which he he really uh, castrated you know his, his opposition uh was formed you know on the the pretense of, of tackling corona um, and yet the the moment that uh, the, the political waters were cleared up uh, it felt like corona was uh, was passé uh, my my acupuncturist told me I need to uh to cleanse myself of this whole fixation on Corona, that Corona's over and I need to 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 part with it. Uh, that's the sort of attitude here now. We're, we're really over Corona, um, and it was a coincidence that um, that he really was able to exploit that emergency. I don't really. I don't. Th- I think Bibi's a very paranoid person. I think he was paranoid about uh, Corona as he is about uh, about the trials, uh, the, the trials he's now facing. Um, the, there were protests. Um, you know, in, in a sense, uh, Israeli democracy proved itself uh, in some small way by the fact that we had protests even in the darkest days of the lockdown. Um, there was uh, the protest movement uh, that formed most recently, it's called the Black Flags, protests, um, which is, is kind of eerie. I was thinking about it today because that's also the, the whole ISIS thing. Uh, and um, But uh, people uh, hung black flags from their windows, uh, sort of to, to suggest that a black flag hangs over Israeli democracy. Um, the uh well one interesting thing that happened here is that basically the uh, our the the Shabak or the, the our version of the FBI the, the internal security services um, were granted the authority to uh, to monitor uh, Israelis phones a right they had previously or or you know uh, something they'd previously done for uh, for Palestinians they were now uh, they were <coughs> now surveying uh jewish citizens of israel using the same uh mechanisms and um and there was some opposition also to that uh, this this understanding that mass surveillance uh or we're, we're sort of gonna enter a new normal of, of mass surveillance without realizing it um and that opposition has also has also sort of um died down but uh but I, you know, I, I think uh, I'm curious how it is in the in the states. Um, but here, uh, here that, that was that seemed to to actually generate uh, a surprisingly sort of robust opposition.
0: Um, at this, point. yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You you mentioned that, and um, I feel like the response of civil society in the states has not been nearly as pronounced as it's been in um, in Israel. And maybe that's because in parts of the states the, the public health emergency has been probably graver than it has been in Israel. It, it may be something about just how um, sort of active is Israeli democracy is, but it, it feels like everyone's focus has been much more on the immediate public health concerns and and less focused on um, the long-term impact of, of how coronavirus is and the government's response to it is reshaping our society. I, I don't know, Adam, do you agree with that? I don't know.
1: I'm kind of mixed. I think that on the one hand people are saying like everything is going to change, but I think there's so much desire for normalcy that existed even before coronavirus that I think people are going to be very willing to just watch this stuff that's under the rug. Um, the ramifications of that, I think we've, we've talked about and how like it's important to reckon with it. But I think there's a good chance we just try to pretend this never happened.
0: Well, UV thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, yeah. And it's hope normal. that you stay healthy and sane in Tel Aviv, and um, also hope that, uh, as we talked about, Israeli democracy um, survives this, this can, I, can
2: I share with your listeners uh, yeah. one life hack I've learned from corona? Yes, how please. To stay sane. Uh, I, I, I downloaded some apps to make stickers for WhatsApp, uh, I highly recommend it. It's kind of like those people who, who just draw thousands of dots. Uh, it's a very therapeutic um, uh, exercise of, of pasting out uh, from photos of people and, and, and cutting out stickers. Uh, I'll make you one, man.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't seen any stickers from you, so please uh, WhatsApp me some stickers. I will. I'm only a little offended I haven't... Received one, yet. <laughs> Thank yeah. Thank you, V. Nice talk to nice. you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. So, you know, Adam, it's it's really interesting how, uh, how many parallels I feel like there are between B.B. and Trump. This is something I don't think we've talked at all on the show about, but like how nothing seems to stick to him, how he's totally co-opted the traditionally conservative party, how he this cult of personality. It's really fascinating, and it's not surprising to me that the two of them are, like, best friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting how B.B. BB has been around for just so long, and it's interesting that it's not just, you know, Trump is kind of potentially a flash in the pan, but and like, a in, embodification and an embodiment of, like, the Direction the Republican Party has been going in. But, like, B.B., like, has been... Co- it, it feels like he didn't co-opt the Republican Party the same way that Trump did, but that, like, he has almost been co-opted by something bigger than himself. But agree, like... I don't know. It, on, some, on some ways, I'm like, wow, this is a scary time. But also, like, there have always been, like, power-hungry, authoritarian people... There's always been corruption, and the the world goes the world goes on. We don't talk about Harding that much, even though Harding was, you know, had tons of corrupt people in his cabinet. So I'm I'm optimistic in the long
2: term. I just hope we recognize the cost of these choices.
0: This is why I choose to live with you because you have a very zen, optimistic outlook on the world. Uh, certainly compared to me, which I really, uh, really appreciate. This has been CoronaPod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Stay
2: healthy.
0: <laughs> Coronapod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat.